Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the $100 million Fund Sports Business Podcast. The Sportacast. All right, I'll get the names right out of the way. You, you know, you went straight and direct on that one. Jasmine, sometimes we rate Eben at the start of the show. Like, how how was that little promo? The hundred mi- I'm assuming Jasmine Robinson, managing partner, Monarch Collective, that you're gonna like that intro, but don't be too generous. How do you think you did? Um, I mean, you know, f- strong marks, nine out of 10 on energy. Love it. Ah, love it. <laughs> All right. So you, well, I will say you, if, if this was sort of like the figure skating competition, Eben, your, your technical merit is usually pretty high, <laughs> but degree of difficulty, the others, I might take some points off. So, so we'll give it. So we have Jasmine, we have Karen Nortman, um, co-founder, Angel City, managing partner, Upward Ventures, more importantly, now Monarch Collective. Should we say what it is, or do you guys want to say what it is? Why don't we give it to you, Carrie? You, you, why don't you tell the folks what you're doing and why you're doing it, and, and then Evan and I will chime in. Yeah, well, we are, um, Jasmine and I came together to be what we believe is the first fund solely focused on investing in women's sports teams and leagues and very specific rights adjacencies where we can be hands-on partners, very operationally hands-on partners with coalitions in each market that are right for that particular team and league. And the reason I mention that is there's a lot of work to do, obviously, in sports generally, but in women's sports, we're at this amazing moment in time. And for Jasmine, this came out of like probably her whole life of watching sports. I think she might know more than you guys do. So I, I kind of want to do like a quiz contest. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, we get asked to do plenty of outside media, Jasmine, and somebody, what, remember at South by Southwest, we might, they asked us, we might need to kill about a half an hour uh, on Selection Sunday. Can you guys go on stage? And I turned to Eben, and what did I say, Eben? Uh, you said you couldn't name a single active college basketball player. I could not and I was name not far a off. single <laughs> college basketball player. Caitlin Clark. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I'm male. I knew Caitlin Clark. And we knew Paige Beckers. I could name two women, two female players, but I couldn't name a single male college basketball player. So I can guarantee you, Jasmine, that you know more than I do. <laughs> it's so What's funny, Kara, that you said that. Yeah. yeah um, well, I've grown up a sports fan. My dad played in the NFL, so I just kind of grew up all around it. He played for the Chiefs and the Bucks, and so grew up going to his games while he was playing and then uh, watching football with him on the weekends uh, after he retired. 
Um, as Kara mentioned, you know, played a little bit of flag football growing up through to varsity in high school. Um, and now I'm just an avid, avid sports fan. Definitely uh, the NFL was my first love in sports. I worked at the 49ers um, and so have been sort of deep in the NFL ecosystem, but have always been an avid consumer of women's sports for, for as long as I can remember as well, growing up, going to Tar Heels games and others. So. All right, so, so Jasmine, I will tell you, I don't know if I'm playing the game incorrectly or not, but when I play flag football, I find I hit, there's more hitting. Because it's impossible. You can't just grab the flag. I, like You really wind up grabbing somebody and really going after it. Eben was a lightweight <laughs> football player at Princeton. Like, do, Where do you consider lightweight football, Princeton, also carries alma mater, versus flag football? I'm putting flag football on a higher plane than lightweight football, just saying. That's just me. <laughs> Well, you know, there was an ad for flag in, in the Super Bowl this year, so it's it's coming. I actually was going to ask you, I, you, so your high school had a, flag, a varsity flag football team? Yeah, it's a varsity sport <laughs> that, in Florida. That is, uh, it's a huge priority of the NFL, obviously, which you know is is to expand the amount of people that play the game. And a large part of that, I think, is to, is to get more young women involved in football as well. I'm curious what your experience was that, how, how effective you think that can be more nationwide not that the NFL needs needs more help in, in terms of developing fans, but but what uh, how effective you think flag football can be in getting more female participation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to learn the game and go deeper. I think it's like playing Madden or actually playing the sport of football are the two things that are going to actually sort of build fandom. Um, and, you know, I think the interesting thing, though, is, you know, flag's a big thing in high school and then it kind of dies off from there. And so have spent some time talking to some upstart leagues trying to build professionalism around flag for both men and women. I think it's an interesting moment right now with the concussion dynamics and other things in the NFL. Kara, can I get your elevator pitch on what you mentioned earlier? Like it's a moment now in women's sports. What are the metrics? You know, I, I hear it a lot. Is it, is it a tangible something or is it a feeling that we are at a tipping point for women's sports? Yeah, for sure. And I think this kind of dovetails. I, I realized I took us down like a completely weird rabbit hole. And I, we <laughs> love rabbit holes on the show. We love yeah. talking about Evan's <laughs> lack of athletic ability. Okay. It's fun. Well, I, we're here for that for sure. But it kind of dovetails into the why for Monarch uh, as well. And we're happy to talk about the name if you want to hear too. But uh, yeah, well, I was going to ask you about the, the name. What's the genesis of the name? Hold, the on, hold on, I'm going to answer your last question yeah. first. So, um, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, well, J Jasmine grew up with her father in the NFL and really like almost like studying this from the time she was born. Um, you know, my education came as an athlete, but also over the last eight to 10 years around the consumer research on, you know, what we've talked about around, you know, you had a quarter of a billion people watching the World Cup in 2015, which I went to and then couldn't find a jersey to buy our content to watch and then a billion people watching it in 19. And so like, I look at what, what led to Angel City um, as a similar sort of like a, a stop, an important stop on the journey that then led to Monarch and kind of leaving traditional venture and tech investing and dedicating myself full time with Jasmine to investing in women's sports. And I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons around the why purposeful community building, showing that diversity in cap tables and C-suites and really honoring how to build a coalition. The market can drive enterprise value, that it actually drives more revenue. Um, and that women's sports right now takes a particular fund size, I think, and skill set um, and focus to kind of show that these things are repeatable um, and obviously hopefully put other people in business. But I think the key is that with Angel City, I got the chance to like travel the world and 
speak at places and, you know, kind of meet with people and pick your brain. And I've, I've ended up meeting with teams and leagues across the world, Australia, New Zealand, you know, Europe, et cetera. And what you're seeing is this happening all over the world where you have, you know, stadiums being packed, as we know, in the, in the NWSL and call it women's college volleyball and basketball. I think you guys, I don't know if you guys know this, but women's volleyball is the third highest NIL sport. You probably do after, I know you just spent a whole episode on pickleball. So after, um, after, uh, hey, hey, yeah. I just had, we, we, I forgot you were with it. We just had lunch with John Patrickoff out at South by Southwest. And we yeah. were really diving deep into women's softball, women's volleyball and the opportunities available. So like there's this virtuous cycle where if you put butts in seats and then you get distribution to watch it, the market size grows and it expands. I think of the sneaker market a lot. Like when Upfront invested in a company called Goat, everyone was like sneaker market small, you know, and it was. But when then people start wearing sneakers and they wear them to work and it becomes like a thing. And that's sort of like where women's sports is. Um, and but I do think, it, you know, where if you get distribution, if you don't have to subscribe to four or five streaming services to watch an NWSL game, um, you'll create a virtuous cycle. But the important point I guess I want to make is you have people packing rugby stadiums in, in New Zealand to watch the women packing, you know, Newcastle United Stadium the first time the fourth division women's team played there. So you're seeing the data kind of all over the world. And I, I couldn't unsee it like it was keeping me up at night in the same way, you know, kind of what led to Angel City kept me up at night eight years ago. Everything you just said, Kara, makes sense to me. Why do you think that that someone hasn't done this before? Is it old-fashioned sexism? Is it, is it something else? Why do you think there is this hole in the market at this point, given what, what, a lot what of the What did Alexis Ohanian call it at South By? Did he, did he call it, like, what was it? Did he say sexism arbitrage or something? I forgot what he, what he labeled it, but it was pretty funny. I think that was Kara, actually, on our podcast. Oh, was that you, Kara? Yeah, it's an arbitrage on sexism. Yeah, It was two years ago. I mean, it was a while. It's totally fine. I used to deal with Alexis says all the time. He, you know, <laughs> he can go back and forth. Uh, yeah, I mean, real quickly, I'll, I'll answer it. And Jasmine, jump in as well. I just think, I actually think that it takes the, you know, kind of wanting to raise this, the right amount of capital to start. Um, right. So that's why we're raising 100 and we're really deliberate about the size because we want to be able to show up and partner with people who are local to that market in, in very specific ways. And so if you need to write a hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar check every time you show up, you kind of have to show up and you have certain you know requirements around that. Given the enterprise value of women's sports, um, I think it gets a little less flexible. And I think one of the things Jasmine and I do very, very well, like there are a couple of things I think we do well. There's things we don't do well, but I'll t I prefer to talk about the ones that I think we do do well, um, is we can show up and get creative and, and not say kind of like we're a hammer and this is a nail. And then there's lots of people to collaborate with where we can show up with the right amount of money. And then Jasmine and I can work on it, you know, a lot every day and bring her skill set that she developed at the Niners and Causeway and ones I developed at IAC operating businesses and, you know, Angel City and, and Upfront. And so I think probably the reason is that the women's sports investing certainly is happening in these bigger funds. Um, but we're just hitting this turning point moment where you can build a real concentrated portfolio solely focused on it. And then I do think you need to be thoughtful about having different skill sets and not just the financial engineering, but one's ability to operate. And then the enough capital to show up and matter and bring in co-investors alongside of this. And that's, we focused on bringing in limited partners who also want to get direct access and building relationships there, but not so big that the deal has to look a certain way. So we can be an early conversation and more like a consigliere, even if we don't end up investing, you know, a large chunk of the time.
Uh, Jasmine, what did you want to jump in on that one? I, I mean, because Kara paints sort of the, the broad picture. You're the managing partner. I'm guessing, what do you look for? What are you looking for? Where there's sports teams we know, there's sports adjacent that uh, we always say that the pillars of sport are, are real estate, it's, it's tech, it's media. Where do you, and obviously Cosme, you, you understand what the media perspective is, where, where do you see as opportunity? I mean, that's a broad picture, just women's sports. Where do you focus on uh, in terms of where you want to put your capital to work? Yeah, I think there's a broad range of places where you can play. And we're really trying to focus, if you think about like the the ecosystem of women's sports, really focusing in the most mature components today, because there we think there's a really unique investment profile where there's a lower sort of downside risk profile because there's already product market fit around the sports and stable leagues, um, but where there's incredible upside around sort of media rights, revenue growth, and actually sort of operating and monetizing these businesses better. And, so and is that us, the W and NWSL? What, what do you put in that category? Yeah, some of the leagues that I think would sort of fit into that bucket are the NWSL, the WNBA, and the WSL over in the UK, some of these leagues that have really been around for a decade plus where um, you're already seeing the media rights revenue traction, which we think is a really important component here to have that sort of high margin media revenue really driving the flywheel and that sort of reach and audience expansion that comes along with it. Um, and so we're really focused on sort of that piece of the market and looking at teams and leagues, but then also thinking about where are, them, where are their interesting creative businesses to build with leagues or players associations or whatever it might be as collaborators. One of the things that, that I think I see in, in a lot of the, the popular women's sports properties out there right now is a lot of them are in college. You know, we, we've talked a bit on this show about women's lacrosse, about women's college volleyball, the the the, the softball World Series, certainly women's basketball. Uh, college basketball is, is a property that is on the rise. Not an area that you guys can directly in, invest in, obviously, but how do you think about the the, the, the popularity of, of women's college sports and, and how a fund like yours might be able to get involved in some capacity there? Yeah, Jasmine, do you want to take it or you want me to take it? Sure, I can jump in. Um, I mean, I think the incredible thing about women's sports in college becoming more popular and some of the NIL dynamics that are starting to unfold is that um, you just see sort of players building their brands earlier and really building up this incredible following and personality that when they jump to a league like the NWSL or the WNBA or, you know, Athletes Unlimited, whatever it might be, they can go there and they already have this really big platform. And it's like those personalities are actually going to help to elevate the leagues that we can participate in on the professional side of things. And so um, I think we love the kind of growth in the college space. The viewership numbers have been really incredible in terms of how they've escalated over time. And uh, I think that's a boon to the broader ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how I came to women's sports, it was like, I couldn't find content on traditional broadcast, you know, or streaming, but I could find it on Instagram. And so I started following like Crystal Dunn and Sydney LaRue and Ashlyn Harris. And, you know, it's like the first place I go for Caitlin Clark. When you guys talk about, her. I'm like, Oh, I got to go down the Caitlin Clark rabbit hole now. And um, so I think it is create like, and then, you know, we, we have, we have the stat that you guys have probably seen out there that shows that I think eight of the top 10, uh, most followed social media players in the final four last year were women. And so there's just this natural like storytelling element where there's like a capitalist incentive for them to share. Right. And you're also seeing that in terms of players skipping college now and going into sports. So there's just a lot of diamond dynamism in the industry. And I think, you know, I, we want to show up and really like collaborate, not just in teams, but also spend time in these adjacencies around, you know, kind of rights and, 
non-predatory gambling and licensing um, and do it in collaboration with big funds or family offices. And I think it's just one of those moments in time, which is different than tech, where you're kind of everybody is like looking for a certain ownership, et cetera, where, you know, to some extent, it's not rocket science, put butts in seats and sell sponsorships, et cetera. And then there is more rocket science around innovative models, but like there's room for so many different people to come forward and play around with, you know, different models and build cap tables in a way where, you know, investor A does one thing and investor B does another thing at a moment in time when there's so much to prove in women's sports. Um, and I think college is uh, leading the charge in a different way than like soccer and basketball. And then of course we study women's tennis, golf, you know, we've been looking at racing, cycling. And so I think there's some sports that have like some interesting dynamics where both genders come together that are also really nascent. And so we won't do all of those things in this first fund, but I'm sure, you know, we have a pretty robust pipeline. We feel very fortunate to be talking to people early who trust us, but I think we'll like, we'll surprise ourselves potentially in, in, in what we learn and find um, at the, in this, in this first fund. We are chatting with Kara Nortman and Jasmine Robinson of the Monarch Collective. And let me ask you this, because I have my son is 13 years old. I call him my focus group of one. And you said I couldn't find women's sports on traditional TV. I got to tell you, if I'm hoping to grab the eyeball of tomorrow, he doesn't care. My son will not sit down and watch a, a, a he's a big hockey player. He won't watch a hockey game. He won't watch a baseball game. He is much more inclined. He's upstairs. Something happens on TV. I go, hey, did you see that goal by whatever player X? He's already got it on Instagram. Like the, 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 the delivery systems, the, the platforms are so much different these days that you actually may have uh, be in an advantageous position to grab the eyeballs of tomorrow because I hear TV executives all the time say, how do I get the kids in sports leagues and how do I get the kids? They have no idea. You may already be there in the women's sports. I think this is the reason why Caitlin Clark has is, is so popular right now, right? And and I agree with you, Kara. If I were listing the most famous basketball player playing in the tournament still uh, at this point in the Sweet 16 for both tournaments, I think she's definitely it. And she got way less airtime during this college basketball season than probably hundreds of male basketball players. But the point that you just made, Scott, is that the there's so many people that are now consuming these sports, not just by who's televising them and when they're on live, but all these other opportunities. And and the fact is that Caitlin has done a really good job and her fans, I think, have done a really good job of platforming her on in those areas as well. Totally. Well, I mean, that's what that's what I think about intellectual property. It, it's uh, I mean, if you guys I'm just curious about like, the thought process, how you're approaching it. You don't have to see the live game anymore. Those moments will live on. There's pregame, there's postgame. It's not just about the moment. It's how does how does the how does the IP live and where does it go? I'm going to pass it to Jasmine. But one thing I'm just going to say up front, I think it's such a fun moment in time to be intellectually curious about media rights and how behaviors <laughs> are changing. Yeah, because we can all wax poetic. And we, Jasmine and I definitely have strong thoughts. And we spend a lot of time on this, talking to different people in the ecosystem. We'd love to be helpful to people thinking this through in lots of different ways. But I also just think like, even if you're, you know, been in the NFL or the NBA for 30 years and you think it's a certain way, just like, thinking about it, talking to young people, talking to the most innovative people, not just, you know, raising your hand to be on, you know, that Senate committee. Like, it's just, to me, it's like, there's, it's just a fun time to think, debate, 
test. You know, if you look at what the Clippers are doing here in LA and just like a lot of things, like Jasmine and I just mostly obsess about this stuff, love going back and forth. We have some really interesting thought partners on this. Like one of our investors is a woman named Cindy Holland, who spent 20 years at Netflix and, you know, is considered one of the goddesses of original content and rolled out originals unscripted is huge sports fan. And it's just like Mensa level and pushing our thinking on some of these topics. Yeah. So, by the way, how much is Netflix spending on live rights? A big whopping zero. A huge player in sports with a big whopping zero on that line item. And I know the traditional networks are crying going, how do I do that? Well, by the way, that is one point I'd make on women's sports. Like, I think still that if you played lacrosse in college, and I married a lacrosse player, so I had to learn all this in the crease stuff as a kid who grew up in L.A. But if you played lacrosse in college, you play pickleball, or you watch women's soccer, you're going to have a natural kind of bias and affinity to it. And then if you have enough capital and enough influence, you can actually get distribution and people to pick it up. Um, but I, I, uh, I actually think on the women's sports side, the numbers are going up. I'm like, I'm interested in the cycle. I'm really interested into this in the cycles after the world cup comes and after we see what happens in the final four, et cetera. And so everything right now is sort of small relative to the men, but we'll go way, way, way up. And I, I do think, personal interest of people at the top has something to do with strategy in sports because um, there's deep passion in a lot of people for what they specifically do. Like Evan's probably much more likely to put on, you know, lightweight football. Um, uh, <laughs> on the podcast we need more lightweight football content. You're uh, right. <laughs> but Jasmine actually spent a ton of time on media rights for, for, I don't know, maybe like decades at this point. So I mean, Jasmine, but what, what, what are your quick thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think live rights are dead. I think they're still super important, even in the demographic that we're talking about in women's sports. Um, so I'm definitely eager to think about different ways that you can get coverage across multiple channels, speak to multiple audiences, because at this point, I think it is really um, sort of growing audience in the women's space. But I think, you know, thinking about the way that like the NFL or NBA parcel rights, I think there's actually some sort of unique new structures that need to be thought about in terms of both the way that you're going direct to consumer, but then also the way that you're sort of parceling and splitting up these rights, like to your point of um, sort of these near live moments that that younger generations are consuming on Snap and Instagram and thinking about how you sort of play in that category, thinking about how um, sort of highlight replays sort of fit into these things, like just really thinking about the channel mix and then the sort of structure and parceling of rights, I think it's going to actually create a lot of interesting value in women's sports, maybe in ways that uh, the men's leagues haven't proven out yet. And Jasmine, let me know if I get this right here. One of the things I hear about like private equity investments in, in the male sports is passive investment. Like, no, say, just here's the money, let it grow, you'll enjoy it. It sounds to me like you'll be the antithesis. Like the the folks you're working with, you want them to pick up the phone and say, hey, help me out with your expertise. What have you seen? What do you hear? That this will be active participants in, in strategy and everything going on, not just, or here's the capital and you know, uh, call me when I know what the return is. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, Karen and I, by our nature, are operators and hands-on and like collaborating and we're really building our portfolio to be sort of four to six investments where we can both be really, really hands-on. I think, you know, it's important to be hands-on in the right way. And so we're also uh, sort of watching some of the models around sort of putting the right policies in place to keep the sporting side really sort of separated across teams when you're making multiple investments. Um, but other than that, you know, on the business side of things, you know, 
I think in the NFL and the NBA and every league, this sort of collaboration on the business half of the, running the business, um, you know, it's always been highly collaborative. And so thinking about how we can collaborate and share best practices within the places we invest. And then even those places where we don't invest, this is really about sort of, I think, lifting up the whole, the whole ecosystem here. I had a really interesting phone conversation with Michelle Hinsick over at the Utah Royals uh, recently, the, the NWSL team that just launched a little while ago. And she told me, Kara, uh, that the they had conversations with a lot of teams in NWSL and were shocked at how open everybody was about sharing their modeling around when we broke into the league as an expansion team. This is how we thought about both structuring our front office and thinking about players and all that. And it struck me, and, and she made the comment also that in the NFL, when, when the Kraken joined the NHL, like there's not 29 other NHL teams that are just busting down the door to tell them all their inside secrets about things. And she kind of wondered aloud if that was because uh, these are just women led organizations and have just a different approach. And, and hearing Jasmine talking about kind of collaboration in that way, I do wonder if, if you think there's a just kind of a different business mentality for a lot of the areas that you guys are going to look to invest in that you just might not see in the more established, more male dominated leagues. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, by the way, I was at their season opener when they unveiled the Royals and it was just awesome. It was so well done. It was just such a great group. Michelle seems terrific. And it was just like the, the supporters group, the whole thing, like, you know, it was one of those moments where I felt proud and uh, to be a part of it at this time. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I think, you know, it's a little bit like, I think what I've learned coming into sports is that um, one, I try to do a lot of research. So Jasmine and I, I mean, ja you know, Jasmine's lived in this world. I'm, I've lived in this world for the last five or six years, but I, I personally, like we went and talked to a bunch of NFL owners and NBA owners and people we really respect and sort of said like, where do you wish there was more collaboration? Which rules make sense? Which don't make sense? And I think one of the things that's important about um, women's sports and also like the yin and the yang, women and men coming together to lead together, is to know when we're being um, competitive for no reason and when we're being competitive for the right reason. And on the pitch, you know, and on the court is the right reason. Um, but I have like all my backup sweatshirts. I'd wear every NWSL team sweatshirt. It just depends on what, what color scheme. And so anyway, <laughs> I, I can't see Jerry Jones wearing a New York Giants sweatshirt for any reason. Sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean like, but, but truly I think it's an important point. I think that at the end of the day, you know, like what, what, what John and Jonathan are doing at athletes unlimited is trying to create a new sporting product and find a new uh, you know, kind of product market fit with a new behavior. And that's what, you know, you're trying to do with pickleball, getting media revenue and things like that. What we're trying to do in, in these leagues and teams that we're, we're a part of is putting more butts in seats, showing up with strengths for sponsors, being really thoughtful about what an authentic community supporters group would look like in that community. And how do you start from two people in and move out? Which, by the way, is this similar to how you do it in tech and like what I did when I managed Urban Spoon at IAC as what we did at Angel City or Salt Lake did with the Royal supporters, or sorry, the uh, Real Salt. You guys make no secret Angel City. It almost feels like you're like, you view the, the soccer team as a startup, as, as almost like a, as, as a company. Like people look at it differently when it's sports, but you 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 know, like you you're raising early capital. You're like oh, it's like Series A round for raising for your team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the reality is that like there's no perfect analogy for women's sports teams, um, and I'm, we're all like looking at them because we want frameworks. But they're startups in the sense of like how do you get 
the best talent in the world inspired to join before something is built. They're harder than tech in some ways because you're rolling out three or four different revenue lines that involve atoms and not just bits and bytes. And then there, it's easier than tech in some ways because you know what you're trying to accomplish. Like the core thing is if you get people to come and show up and come again and renew, everything else flows from there to build a live entertainment brand. Um, but I think like, I think in the best kind of, teams and the men's, women's, all of it. It's like taking from startup land, it's taking from private equity land, it's taking from family office land. And, you know, one thing I've been saying recently is in tech, something goes wrong every day, but it tends to be the same things go wrong over and over and over again, other than bank failures. Um, I was going to say, what about banking? <laughs> <laughs> but in sports, it's like something new goes right and wrong every day where you hit your highs and your lows. And it's just like showing up and trying to be high integrity, get the right people around the table to make decisions. But I do think some teams are more like startups and some teams are more like turnarounds. And some teams are more like growth equity, and you just kind of want to show up and evaluate every situation for where it is right now. Angel City was a startup. Now Angel City is an established brand, and we need to figure out how to run it like, you know, a team that now doesn't have, we had nothing to lose when we started. And now it's like, how do we honor where we are and move forward in a thoughtful way? And so anyway, I think each one's a little different. I want to hear about the name. Uh, the, you teased it at the beginning that the logo looks partially like a butterfly and partially like a crown, which is, uh, which is very nice. Uh, the two things I associate with Monarch. Yeah. Walk us through how the, how the name got chosen. Here, do you guys see my necklace? I wear a butterfly. Oh, there you I go. Know, yeah. <laughs> along with my grandma's basketball necklace. Um, Jasmine, I know I've been talking a lot. Do you mind if I do the honors on the name? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, for the, the origin story of this is that um, it comes from all the butterfly effects and the chaos theory, I think, that leads to the best things in life, which are truly sometimes walking into one door versus another, or the just following your energy and not the money. And that's what led me to Jasmine. It's what led me from that first World Cup to being like the Forrest Gump of watching soccer games around the world honestly, just being in the right place at the right time. And every day I feel that butterfly effect of partnering with Jasmine. So it's just like following these kind of chaos theory moments and realizing 20 steps from now, you might end up in the right place. And then the second is a double entendre on, on building a new kind of monarchy. And that's not, that's women and men, it's black, brown and white. It's, you know, it's gay and straight. It's just like, to me, and I think to us, these can be our great institutions where Democrats and Republicans sit next to each other and don't realize it until an hour in. And they're like, wait, I kind of like you, even though we disagree on everything else. And, um, and so that's, that's where the name comes from. And then Jasmine, do you want to hit on, on the collective as it relates to maybe our, our community and LP base? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, you know, at its heart, this is an investment fund. The reason we call it Monarch Collective is really because the way that we're going to get there, the way that we're going to build and scale this women's sports ecosystem is bringing really amazing talent and community together to tackle this problem jointly. So we've gone out of our way to within our LP base, just gather an incredible group of men and women who are amazing operators um, from across sort of a very broad range of industries from tech to media to real estate to nonprofits. You want to name some of them? Let's see. Um, yeah, we can mention a few. Um, you know, Kara mentioned Cindy Holland earlier from Netflix. Um, we have uh, Billie Jean King uh, joining us as well, obviously very deep in the uh, tennis and women's sports ecosystem more broadly. 
um, Anne-Marie Slaughter in the policy space, really helping us think through, you know, how should we be thinking about the policy sort of broader governmental dynamics. Um, so really a broad uh, set of folks that are coming in and collaborating with us. Yeah, and then I'd add there's we have a long list um, of names we could mention, um, but one of the things we've been thought we want to try to be thoughtful about is we really do want to bring in individuals who care, want to be part of the ecosystem, may want to just show up and find joy in looking at the financial and impactful returns, but also may want to learn investing or become a team owner themselves, and uh, we want to be thoughtful about one not not doing it not doing it just to say their name, but in some cases actually not mentioning their name and and having them just be there because they want to learn. And we often end up learning as much from them as they learn from us. So, um, you know, more to come there. But uh, I'd say part of uh, what's been really special about doing this with Jasmine is how many people from our past have showed up and wanted to write a check. And um, pressure's on. Pressure is on to make everyone uh, feel, you know, but it also like, you know, I think it's 25 years in the making for both. So, is there uh, anything I could say as a prospective investor where you would say, uh, they're not for us? <laughs> oh, God, you ask all the hard questions. Um, usually, uh, Jasmine can give the higher discretion answers on places where I could get in trouble. Jasmine, do you have an answer to that one? <laughs> <laughs> um, we really want people to be a part of Monarch who, are, um, who really care passionately about building and scaling the women's sports ecosystem and doing it in the right way. Um, really showing up authentically because they care and um, with the shared values of collaboration and um, the the authenticity of believing in, um, you know, I think the opportunity size here and and wanting to collaborate with us and doing the work to get there. Yeah, and maybe I'd say it this way. Um, we have said no to people, um, uh, but I think we're generally we're, 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 we're I think it's just sort of like having almost like an APGAR score rating where you can keep yourself accountable because it's more about where do you spend your time. And for me, for this chapter of my career, I talk about reciprocal energy, systems change, you know, being radically proud um, and financial abundance. And what, you know, I, those four things are important. And um, so we kind of look at everything through that lens. And I think what we want to do is create a lot of wealth for hopefully over time, different kinds of people so that we can have many different kinds of people who can buy sports teams um, and feel like the Gettys or the Annenbergs or the Rockefellers or whatever it is in their town. Um, it's something very special when you can go into these stadiums and, and arenas. I, I really feel like they are our modern churches. And, you know, if any of you guys have played around with chat GPT, it's like, we need our people, we need our tribes, we need our energy. And like, we need more people owning things that, that, that matter to modern society. And so I think, um, you know, we do think about those five, four criteria um, when we're talking to folks. All right. Karen Nortman, Jasmine Robinson of the Monarch Collective. Thanks so much. And one of the fun things we do, like I usually handle the clothes. You see how Eben's not paying attention right now? Like we can see him. I'm going to thrust it, but go ahead, Eben, close it. And let's see if you get it right this time. Don't stumble on that. All you know, here we go. Let's Thank see. Thank you to Jasmine and to Kara. Uh, he is Scott Soshnick. You can find him on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. Shout out to Matt. Cora Veltman, Sportico's digital media editor, would like you to know that you can download the Sportacast wherever you get your podcasts. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.